This is Black and Gold Rush, the podcast where we talk about all angles of New Orleans Saints football. I'm your host, Rachel Jones, and I've been a Saints fan all my life, so I know just how much this team means to our city, both as a former reporter and from my season ticket in Section 257. Whether it's breaking down game tape or telling an inspiring off-the-field story, I'm here for it because the Saints bring us together. Let's get going. What's going on, Houdat Nation? Welcome to another episode of Black and Gold Rush. This episode is a little different than usual. This past weekend was Easter, and for many of us in New Orleans, whether it's Good Friday or Easter Sunday, we're eating crawfish. My family does a boil every Easter Sunday. Obviously, it didn't happen in 2020, so this year is extra special. And because crawfish season is oh so wonderful, I thought I would feature a guest this week whose background includes both sports and food, two things we New Orleanians simply cannot live without. So I am very excited to have with me today Jamie Sire for an incredible conversation. You may remember Jamie from her days hosting SportsCenter AM, but her more recent work includes guest judging on shows like Beat Bobby Flay and Food Network Star. She also hosts Food Network Obsessed, the official and top-rated podcast of Food Network. Now, as I learned in the podcast courses I took before I launched my own show, reaching out to guests, especially higher-profile names, is a numbers game. It's not guaranteed you'll get a response all the time. But Jamie could not have been more generous with her time, her knowledge, and her encouragement for me. We've both been laid off from sports reporting jobs, but as she explains throughout the show, she learned if you haven't been let go at least once in your life, you can't truly appreciate the joy that comes next. We also discuss how Jamie's food blog, E is for Eat, that she started 10 years ago, helped open doors for her, plus how Bobby Flay became a mentor. And I even turned her podcast's signature question around on her. Don't miss Jamie's Dream Food Day and her favorite New Orleans culinary memory. Can I just say it again? This episode was amazing. I was so inspired, not to mention hungry, afterward. We'll get back to Saints next week with the NFL draft fast approaching. But Jamie's story is such a great one, full of life lessons, that I wanted to make sure you heard firsthand. So without further ado, here's the one and only Jamie Sire. Well, Jamie, it is so great to be with you. Welcome to the pod. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's fun to be on this side of the microphone. (laughs) Right, right. Well, I uh, wanted to, uh, you know, connect with you because as listeners know, I was laid off from my last full-time sports reporting job. So the way you are thriving now is very inspiring to me. 
personally. And uh, there's just so much that I want to talk with you about. You know, we're going to go behind the scenes of Food Network Obsessed, but let's start at the beginning if we can. I know you were born in Montana. So mm-hmm. tell us about your roots, what it was like to grow up there. Where did your interest in sports emerge? Let's start there. Oh, wow. We're going way back. Um, yeah, I grew up in Great Falls, Montana, um, kind of just in north central Montana, a, a small town compared to where I've lived in the you know past several years, but um, a big town for Montana. So I think there's about like 60, 65,000 people in Great Falls. Um, but it was great. I mean, um, just like a normal, normal growing up uh, childhood um, and decided to, you know, go to school at Washington State because, you know, when I was in high school, I was very involved in drama and newspaper and speech and debate. And I kind of figured doing broadcasting was kind of a nice combo of all of those things. Um, I played sports growing up, um, not like crazy. I was I was always like the shortest kid on the team. So um, I didn't like make varsity or anything like that. I always enjoyed sports. I loved the team aspect of it. Um, I didn't go super far <laughs> with my sports career. Um, so when I actually started my my broadcasting schooling at Washington State, I was not focused on doing sports. I was more focused on doing news. Um, somewhere along the way during college, I think I just kind of um, you know, fell in love with it again, especially going to school at Washington State, Pac-12 school, Pac-10 at the time, mm-hmm. um, and going to all the football games and basketball games. And um, we weren't like great my first couple years uh, at Washington State. We started getting better towards uh, towards the end of my stay there, but just kind of fell in love with just the camaraderie and, you know, the excitement of game day. So I kind of decided to switch my focus a little bit uh, later on in college and kind of focus more on... Um, on doing sports reporting and sports anchoring. Right. College was where I definitely got my foot in the door with uh, sports reporting, fell in love with it. Absolutely. Uh, going to an SEC school on my end, LSU was where Absolutely, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So got this, you know, big school, big football games. Uh, I mean, I feel like your game day was probably a little bit more exciting uh, than the Palouse, I think. Uh, but hey, stadium. Washington <laughs> State, they always make a big deal of showing that flag on college, on college yes. game day, you know, that yeah. that's a big deal every Saturday. It is. That is our claim to fame. I love I love uh, tuning into game day. And, and it's like a where's Waldo, like where's the WSU flag? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always so much fun to to see our school representing across the country. Yeah, absolutely. So and what about cooking? I mean, I didn't really take an interest. I mean, my husband always ribs me like, you know, <laughs> when we first got married, that was one of my biggest nerves, to, to, to be honest with you, was, you know, uh, taking the lead in the as far as like meal planning and uh-huh. finding recipes. I mean, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but uh, ironically enough, growing up in New Orleans, obviously food was a part of our, our life. But uh, so I'm curious about when you first took an interest in, in cooking. Uh, you started your blog, Ease for Eat, in 2011, which we'll get into later. But when did cooking and food really, really be- become an interest for you? Um, that's a great question. I, I, you know, when I was growing up, um, my parents were divorced at a pretty, at a pretty young age for me. I think I was in third grade. So, uh, one of the things that my mom did, um, kind of as a single mom, you know, we, I saw both of my parents a lot, but mostly live with my mom. And so she kind of had us do 
cooking once a week as for, as part of like our weekly chores. So my sister and I would have to, you know, separately like come up, you know, pick our night, come up with the whatever the menu was. It, it didn't have to be like super fancy or super elaborate, but we kind of had to, to pick it out. We had to you know have a vegetable, a protein, a starch, and then my mom would buy whatever ingredients we needed and we would be on our own to cook dinner. So that was in middle school. Um, I I liked it at the time. And I think I really like the spark was I was, you know, kind of digging around in one of my mom's cookbooks. And it was a it was like an American Chinese cookbook. And there was a lemon chicken recipe, which is a pretty involved recipe. Um, but, you know, I started making it and it kind of became like my dish that I would make all the time. My signature dish, if you will. Um, and it was just kind of, I, I thought it was so cool that you could just follow this recipe that somebody had written and, you know, theoretically your dish would come out just as it looked in the picture. So mm-hmm. I think my, my interest started there. I don't think my mm-hmm. obsession started until later. Um, I studied abroad my senior year in college, uh, in Barcelona. So mm-hmm. I think just being in Europe for, you know, three months and getting to try different cuisines, traveling around to the different countries. I think that really sparked, you know, my kind of the obsession that I have now. And then I think, you know, the third part of that evolution was living in California for um, 10 years, both in San Diego and San Francisco, where there is just, you know, abundance of of fresh produce at all times. You can get CSA boxes, um, go to farmer's markets, like all these things that I had not really experienced previously. So I I kind of really fell in love with cooking and food, um, I think at that time, but it had kind of been building for a while. Right. Since you were, you know, cooking with your sister to, right, in Spain to California. Wow. I mean, right. That is a great parenting tip right there. I'm going to have to keep that in <laughs> mind, you know, assigning future kids to cook, you know, exactly. a couple of days a week. That is a great tip. I'm going to have to keep that in mind. <laughs> Get My them started goodness. young. <laughs> yes. That, right. Right. Not just, you know, doing the dishes, but, you know, actually planning the meals. That is awesome. So as far as your sportscaster blue, you know, you know, career, you were really doing the, the blueprint, so to speak. I mean, local TV, you, and then you worked your way up to ESPN, you know? So tell us about the opportunity that you had to anchor sports center AM and what that was like. I mean, you were in Bristol for four years, really living the dream. I mean, was it, was it a dream? It was. Um, you know, the funny thing, though, is I almost didn't take that job. Um, really? You know, I, yeah. As you mentioned, I you know, I started in local news back in my hometown. I continued on in San Diego, went to like a regional sports network in San Francisco. And then, um, you know, my agent was able to get me an audition with ESPN. And, you know, obviously I was going to, you know, go and I thought it was a good experience no matter what. Um, the offer came in and it wasn't like it was an okay offer in terms of money. It wasn't like a ton more than what I was making in San Francisco. Um, and, and I really liked my life in San Francisco. I had just come off, um, a second world series run with the giants. I was like the main reporter covering that team. Uh, so it was really exciting. I loved where I lived. I loved, you know, my friends, my whole life. Um, yeah, going from and I, Bristol to San Francisco, or, or, or going from San Francisco to, to Bristol. Uh, uh, yeah, that must have been a little it's rough. A, yeah, that's a little bit of a culture culture shock for sure. Um, but, you know, I kind of like asked around to a lot of people I trusted in the business. 
And I was expecting the the advice to be mixed, like some people to say, oh, well, you know, quality of life is more important and that kind of thing. But um, I think every single person was like, no, you have to go. Like, you don't be an idiot. Um, and they were right. Like, I, I'm so glad that I, I I took the job at ESPN. It was such a great experience, um, such a great learning experience. I mean, you're around people that are literally at the top of their game and you kind of have to bring it like every single day because if you don't, you're going to get get left behind. So I think it was definitely the hardest job I've ever had, the most challenging job I've ever had, the most demanding job I've ever had. Uh, when I first got there, you know, they kind of just put you on the schedule wherever you fit in. Um, and so I was working a lot of late nights, you know, coming home at four in the morning if there were late West Coast baseball games. Um, so it was a crazy schedule. Um, eventually, you know, I think I established myself there to the point where, you know, they were launching a, a new sports center in the morning, which they had never done a live sports center that early. Yeah. And they were assembling, you know, a team for it. And I was tabbed as one of those people. So it was really so much fun. I mean, Every time I, I mention those sports center AM days, like I still have fans, even if I don't mention it, like at least once or twice a week, like commenting or DMing me, telling me like how much they missed that show and how much fun it was and how they always started their day with us. So it was always cool to hear uh, things like that because I do think we had a really cool, um, we just had a, a really good team and a, a really fun chemistry and a unique show, a unique take on Sports Center, which obviously is the brand that we all know uh, mm -hmm. from ESPN. So I think being able to kind of make that our own was a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, that run, you know, was short lived. We only had it for a little over a year before the the big layoffs that you alluded to a little bit earlier. So yeah. it was a it was a bummer um, to to say goodbye to it. But I have fond memories of that entire team, both uh, on air and off the air, um, the behind the scenes people as well. We were just like literally a huge family. So mm -hmm. it was uh, it was a great time. But I'm also super happy doing what I am doing now. So right. people ask, right. yeah, people <laughs> ask me a lot if I would if I would go back, and I I don't know what the answer to that is because. Um, you know, I think we've all kind of moved on, but uh, yeah. but I, I, I'm very happy and very thankful for my time there. Yeah, I mean, I believe everything happens for a reason, you know, and you've clearly found your way. <laughs> and while you were there, you've you kept up this food blog e is for eat, um, tapping into your 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 passion for for food. And, you know, just tell us a little bit about the content that you post. We'll, we'll link to it in the in the show notes. But tell us about the content that you started developing there and, and your commitment commitment to, to growing that blog and how that led to your opportunity at, you know, Iron Chef Showdown and the Food Network. Uh, yeah. So I started it, as you mentioned, back in 2011. And honestly, at the beginning, it was really just more of a hobby, like a creative outlet for me. Um, I was always talking about food. I was always cooking. I was always uh, reading other people's blogs. And I had a coworker at one point, you know, I think we were at a Giants game and she had said, you know, why don't you start your own blog? Like, you should, you know, you, you're always talking about food and, and the recipes that you're making and the, the restaurants that you're visiting and, and that kind of thing. So, um, I was like, yeah, I should. <laughs> so I did, I did. Um, and yeah, it became just like a great way for me to have fun things to, to work on and look forward to, um, outside of work. And it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I look back to those days. I used to post all the time. I mean, I was, there were some weeks where I was posting like 
five or six recipes a week, um, which I, looking back, I don't even know how that was possible working a full-time job and doing that. I don't even do that now. Um, But, you know, I think it was a, a great way for me to, you know, teach myself a lot of things that I didn't know. If I didn't know a technique, if I didn't know an ingredient, I would research it and look it up just like I would approach any, you know, sporting event that I was covering. So um, a lot of it is self-taught. I also took a lot of cooking classes as well. But, um, you know, I think it was just a way for me to hone my skills, but also kind of develop this this food background, this credibility mm-hmm. um, to prove that I do know what I'm talking about. I do know the space. I'm not, you know, I'm not a restaurant chef. I didn't go to culinary school, but I don't think that that means I'm any less passionate or any less knowledgeable. Um, perhaps I don't have like all of the, you know, the skills that they that they teach you. But I think I've picked a lot of those up along the way um, through Absolutely. various other things. Yeah. Um, so when I was at ESPN, it was fun because, you know, everybody knew me as like the food person. Um, so like if there was a guest that was coming in that was either a chef or somehow related to food, it was like, oh, Jamie has to do that interview. Right. Um, and that was where you first met Bobby Flay, right? It, On a, it was. On the ESPN, right? Yeah, absolutely. You are 100% correct. You've done your research too. I'm very impressed. Um, yeah, I met Bobby. Uh, it was a couple months into SportsCenter AM and he was he was coming in to do what we would call the car wash at ESPN. So it was basically, you know, if they have like a big name guest come in, the the bookers would kind of schedule them for all the different shows and they would shuttle them, you know, to all these different shows. So it was kind of like a car wash. Um, I think Bob Lee coined that term. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not sh- super sure. But yeah, so Bobby was in for the car wash. We were his first interview of the day, you know, because we were we were the the morning show, the early show. And we had a lot of fun. It was a great segment. Um, we kind of tied it into the NBA playoffs. We had like a little cooking competition from some of our cafeteria chefs. So it was great. Um, but it was it's hard because, you know, you don't have a lot of time off camera to chat because they kind of rush them in, get them mic'd up, get them settled. We do the interview and then they have to get rushed off to the next thing yeah. during the next commercial break. But I it was long enough where I was like, you know, in commercial, I said, hey, are you still doing new episodes of Eat Bobby Flay? And he said, yeah, do you want to be on the show? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we we became friends there. We kind of just kept in touch. Um, they actually didn't start shooting more episodes until way later that year. But um, ESPN was kind enough to to let me, you know, go and do that. And I also shot um, an episode of Food Network Star where I was a guest judge with Jamel Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was all while I was still at ESPN. Um, it was kind of ironic that neither of those episodes aired before I got laid off. So I got laid off. And then that summer, those episodes aired. But I think because I had already had these contacts at Food Network when the um, when the position for for floor reporter for Iron Chef Showdown came up, they, you know, they asked me to come in for auditions. Uh, I'm not sure how many people they auditioned. Um, I just know that I got the job and I was super excited. And um, yeah, kind of trying to build off that ever since. Yeah, your career really took off from there with Food Network. So before we completely nerd out on Food Network for a bit, um, I, I did. Uh, obviously, most of my shows are focused on the New Orleans Saints, uh, yes. my childhood favorite team. And uh, obviously, I'm here in Louisiana. But um, I'm curious. Uh, the Saints are, of course, entering a new era since the retirement of Drew Brees. So up at ESPN, what was the impression of the national media of Drew Brees and his impact on the NFL? 
Well, I can actually tell you like my personal experience with Drew Brees because yeah. when I was in San Diego uh, mm-hmm. covering the Chargers for local news, he was uh, playing for the Chargers then. So, oh wow, I, mean, yes. I, uh, I think he had already been there for a year when I got there. But um, yeah, I mean, he was a great person to cover. Um, like he is as nice and down to earth um, as as he seems on TV. Um, same goes for his wife, uh, who's also very lovely mm-hmm. and. Uh, they were a joy to they were a joy to cover, and um, you know, uh, San Diego I think was very there was it was a split feeling. I feel like a lot of people were sad to see him go. Other people were you know excited for the the Philip Rivers era. But mm-hmm. um, I always had a, a great time um, you know interviewing interviewing him and covering him. He was always super professional. But I think you know at ESPN and and, and national media, I would I would say the same. I mean, I don't I don't think that there's any question that. He, you know, his his career, his stats, I think they all speak for themselves. Like he is he will go down as one of the greats in the game for sure. So, yeah, I mean, Drew Brees' impact on the field, obviously, we've been talking all week and then his impact in the city of New Orleans, too. Just you just can't say enough about it. And so the Saints have so many questions to answer, but. We're going to nerd out on Food Network for a little bit. Uh, you, <laughs> you, Jamie are hosting Food Network's official podcast called Food Network Obsessed. It debuted in January. Um, I've listened to every single episode and I would would encourage all of our listeners to do the same, whether or not you watch Food Network like I do, because these stars are so generous with their time and with their stories. I mean, so I'm curious, what is your biggest takeaway so far and some of the lessons that you've learned from bringing listeners really behind the curtain of some of these stars that they watch on TV, hosting some of their favorite shows every week. Yeah, I think it's been a lot of fun for me personally. You know, um, I one of the, the things that I have always loved about journalism and my job and my career throughout the years is, you know, the, the ability to tell people's stories. Um, and a lot of times uh, in TV, you don't get a chance, you don't get a long time to sit with somebody, you know, especially when, say, I was at Sports Center, even when we had somebody like Bobby Flay on, um, I think we, you know, that segment was extra long. We had like 10 minutes, but usually it was like three minutes. You had three questions or five minutes. Um, you know, you don't get a lot of time. Um, and this format and podcasting in general, as you know, you do get a chance to really sit down and dive in with somebody about some of these topics um, that are important to them or uh, important to your listeners as well. And so it's it's been fun for me to kind of like dig back on those those skills of doing long form interviews. I think, you know, obviously having a, a game plan going in of what you want to talk about, but also being ready and willing to kind of go off script and and ask follow-up questions, I think has been just really um, a fun experience, especially as the the podcast still very young has has evolved. You know, we we kind of started out mostly sticking to script. And some of the feedback we got after the first season was like, no, we want more, we want a deep dive on some of these things more. We want Jamie to have that that freedom. So I I took that as a compliment to me that you know, they trusted me to to be able to do that and go off script and and really, um, you know, really dive in with these people. And and like you said, they have been so generous with their time. The uh, public relations department at Food Network has been amazing and helping us facilitate booking all these guests because, 
you know, ideally we would be in a studio doing it in person and we are still doing it virtually from home over Zoom like you and I are doing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that always presents its own set of challenges as we try to, you know, record locally on each computer so the sound quality is better. Um, sometimes that presents, you know, different technical challenges, but we we kind of just troubleshoot every single week, whatever those might be. Um, sometimes it's been on my end um, as well, but it's been definitely a learning experience on, on all sides, but a, a fun one for sure. Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, I feel like this past year, 2020, has opened up so many challenges, but a lot of opportunities at the same time for us to learn and grow. And I've just really enjoyed the podcast. And uh, I mean, my some, some of my favorite episodes have been with the host of Chopped, Ted Allen. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, you'd get to hear you know, these guys dream food day. I love how y'all ask that question at the end of every show. So I'm going to ask you, Jamie Sire, what is oh your dream food day? Breakfast, oh my lunch, dinner, dessert. Oh Hello. my gosh. I should have been prepared for this. It's I'm always like so scared that one of my guests is going to turn that question back on me because I don't, I haven't like thought of like, you'd think that I, I, I ask it every single week you think that I would have um, mine like ready to go. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this on the fly. I should have been prepared for this. Uh, But I would say, I mean, as you know, like I say that there's no rules, you can time travel. There's no, you know, like no restraints in Mm -hmm. any way. So I think I would start um, back in my home state of Montana um, you know, somewhere up near Glacier Park, just because the scenery is beautiful. And one of my, favorite things um, on earth are huckleberries, which is these little berries that, um, you know, are kind of like a blueberry, but they're smaller and they're sweeter and they're mostly found uh, in the Pacific Northwest. So um, I, even though I'm not usually a sweets person at breakfast, I would definitely have um, some pancakes with like fresh like huckleberry, like compote or or preserves or syrup or something like that. I definitely need to have some sort of egg dish as well. So maybe I would like do the pancakes for um, for like I always like a table pancake situation. So you can just, you know, everybody can have a couple of bites of the of the pancakes and then you can still order your own thing. So my egg dish would have to be some sort of I think it would be some sort of like it would either be like an egg sandwich or some sort of like huevos rancheros with, um, you know, like the the beans and um, the salsa and like a runny egg. It has to be like a, a runny egg for me. Um, so that would probably be breakfast. Uh, there's got to be some thick cut bacon in there as well. So uh, throwing that all it's a we're, we're just going all Big out. breakfast. So I like yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. All right. What do we want to do for lunch? I think for lunch, um, let us go to let's go to Italy for lunch. Um, (laughs) I'm thinking I'm thinking back to I'm thinking back to Amberell's episode and how um, she just described all these delicious pasta dishes. I think that was for her dinner. But um, it was, I mean, I love Italy and I haven't been there um, since I studied abroad. So it's been a while. So definitely all of the fresh pastas, all of the the grilled fish and and meats and that kind of thing. Um, I, I love like a wild boar ragu. So I think something of that sort has to be um, in order. And then definitely some, some pizza as well. Um, 
So, I mean, you can get all of that in Italy uh, very, very easily. Um, and then I think for dinner, um, I would, if I can time travel, which I always say to my guests is, is a possibility. And I don't only think one person has taken me up on that, but I would definitely go back in time and, um, and have like a steak dinner with my dad. Um, he passed mm-hmm. away a, cu- a couple years ago. So, um, and like filet mignon was his, his favorite. He always just calls it tenderloin. Um, and I, I grew up on a, on a cattle farm as well. So, um, I would do, yeah, like a steak dinner with my dad, um, would definitely be my dinner of choice. Um, cause I do miss him a lot and, uh, I also love steak. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that would be my, my dinner dessert. I'm not a big dessert person. Um, but I, I am totally not, not above ordering like a cheese plate for dessert. I so knew maybe. you were going to say that because you have on your, you're a champagne and cheese lover, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think maybe, maybe we'll go to France for dessert and just like Ooh. get like the most decadent, amazing cheese plate of all time. Oh um, gosh. I think that that would be, that would be a perfect, uh, that would be my perfect food day. So I, we just worked it out on the fly. Oh, my gosh. So, so we're going to Montana. <laughs> we're going to Italy. We're going to France. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My husband and I had a trip to Italy planned before COVID happened. Uh, so, yes, we're, we we have it planned, though, you know, for when I graduate from grad school, which will be next amazing. year. So it, it's I can't think of a better way to celebrate, you know, <laughs> next I year. Hopefully sounds- things will be much better. <laughs> I think so. And I think that that sounds like a, a perfect way to celebrate. You guys have to, to yeah, hit all the different regions. You got to go to Cinque Terre. I like love, I'm obsessed with that, that area. I don't know if it's still the same as when I was there, but um, it was absolutely beautiful. And then of course, you know, Rome and Tuscany and um, the South. I mean, there's so many places you could go. You, yes, you could spend like the, a whole month there. And then, <laughs> yes, all the food and the wine. Yes. We're just yes. like, take me there now. But exactly. So, yeah, speaking of food, uh, but yeah, I, I, I wanted to get specific to New Orleans with you. Um, okay. What is your, what is your, your favorite part of New Orleans cuisine? Oh man. I mean, that's so hard to narrow down because I think there's so many different layers. I do have to say one thing before I talk about New Orleans cuisine, because I do, I have this like terrible aversion to, to, to bell peppers. And I know that that's like the whole, like part of the Holy Trinity down there for you all. But, um, so nothing that usually nothing that has that it involved in it, unfortunately. So I know that actually takes out um, a lot of things like, you know, gumbo and different things like that. But I, yeah, I've been to New Orleans a couple of times. Um, I was there most recently for a bachelorette party a couple of years ago. Um, and I was in charge of, of planning all the food. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm trying to remember what all we did. We, we definitely like had a big like jazz brunch somewhere, which was, um, super fun. We, we ordered it or we catered in, um, fried chicken from, you'll have to help me out. What's like the famous fried chicken place down there. Willie Mays. Willie Mays. Okay. We got got it together. We got it together. Okay. We got it. We got it. I should have, I should have, I can't believe I forgot that because I remember thinking at the time that obviously it's not named after Willie Mays, but my cat is named after Willie Mays. So I should have remembered, but yes, we got, um, we were able to get like a big delivery from Willie Mays, like for our first night there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many good, like, are you, are you in New Orleans? Do you like seafood or are you more of a carnivore? Okay. Oh yes. I like seafood too. I hadn't even gotten to that, like the oysters and the shrimp and everything like that. No, we, we ate really well when we were down there and, uh, 
it's definitely been on my list to go back with my with my boyfriend as well. Um, awesome. But no, there's there's so much. I like that, that's why I said like there's so many like good things that you could pick down there, like shrimp po'boys for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like that was definitely one. I'm trying to remember. I mean, there were so many like fantastic places down there that um, it's hard to like narrow it down into like one right. dish or oh, one for sure, for sure. category. Now you guys have some good food down there for sure. <laughs> so yeah, we'll definitely have, yeah, we can't wait to get you back down here for, for a visit. Uh, so let's move in now uh, to our last segment, uh, the random round, uh, just some quick questions and quick answers to close out the show. This has been so much fun. So uh, number one, I know you've probably been to a lot of sports venues in your time as a sportscaster, but what is a sports venue you have not been to that you'd love to visit? Oh, a sports venue I have not been to. Um, well, I would have loved to go to the I never went to the old Yankee Stadium. So um, I'm bummed that I missed out on that. So I would say that like if I could again, if I could time travel, um, going to the old Yankee Stadium, I think would be so cool just because obviously all the all the history there. Um yeah, I'm tr- that's a great question. I mean, I've been to like a lot of ones that would be on, I think, a lot of people's lists. Um, oh, that's a good one. That's a- if I think of if I think of another answer by the end of this, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Okay. Uh, now our second one is uh, describe Drew Brees in one word. First word that comes to mind. Uh I was just, I was going to say kind or professional. Yeah. Our, our very first guest said professional as well. So you're, you're, you're in good company. Okay. Okay. Um, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? Oh man. Um, what would I like to, it's, that's a good, I mean, it's funny cause I've, you know, I've done two completely, not completely different things, um, in my career, but you know, doing, being able to do sports and food, uh, definitely has been a dream. I, everyone assumes that I want to own my own restaurant, which I do not. Like I know too much about how, how tough the restaurant industry is. So it would not be that I'm just like trying, I'm talking while I'm trying to think of my answer. Um, I would say this, I mean, a, a couple years ago, my boyfriend, Justin and I went down to Toto Santos, Mexico and like absolutely fell in love with it. And ever since we left, we always say that like, like someday maybe we'll just like move down there and, um, you know, open a little cafe or something like that. And I feel like that would be a little bit more low key down there than like own, trying to own and operate a restaurant in the States. So maybe, maybe I would do it uh, if it was, you know, very, very chill and low key, like down in, in Baja. <laughs> okay. I love it. All right. Uh, we kind of covered this already, but you can reiterate it one more time. What is a food you could not live without? that I could not live without. Um, well, I think, yeah, I mean, you probably think I'm going to say cheese, which I do. <laughs> I, I don't think I could, I don't think I could live without cheese. I, I'll go with cheese. I mean, cause I feel like that that covers a lot of things. Like it's, <laughs> it's in pasta. It's yeah. on pe- pizza, which is another one of my like loves in, in life. Um, yeah. Okay. We'll go, we'll go cheese. Cause that's, that's an easy one that comes to mind. Yeah. Okay. Name a role model who impacted your life. Oh man, I have so many, <laughs> uh, a role model. I mean, I honestly think, you know, both of my parents for different reasons. Um, my dad was somebody who, you know, he was a farmer his entire life until he retired and 
he, it was a lot of hard work. Um, and a lot of years, like didn't make a lot of money doing it, but he loved it so much and was so passionate about it. And he would talk to anybody who would listen about farming. Um, and I kind of think that I, I always felt the same way about my television career. You know, I started off in my hometown making like $18,000 a year while my sister was making more as a lifeguard, um, you know, that summer. So I think, you know, knowing that he was so passionate about what he did and, and knowing that that was worth it to him. So I think that was definitely some, somebody that I looked up to, um, throughout my career, just in terms of, you know, finding something you're passionate about. And then my mom, you know, she, she is such a successful, um, you know, financial advisor. And she, I watched her build her career from the ground up in, in a very different way. Um, and I think just, seeing, you know, how, how strong and independent she is and having that figure in my life, um, mm -hmm. you know, all these years I think was really important. So I think both of them really, really shaped me, um, into the person I am today. I love that so much. Wow. So kind of piggybacking maybe off of that, what is one piece of advice you received that helped you get where you are today? Oh man. Um, you know, like when I got laid off from ESPN, it was, it was, you know, it was tough and it was, uh, you know, something where you kind of had to like pick yourself back up and, and kind of figure out like what comes next. And, and somebody told me that, you know, if you haven't been fired or let go, um, at least once in your life, like, you know, like you, you have to like to, to go through that. And I had it, I was very lucky. I would always been the one, you know, kind of driving my own career and deciding when I was going to leave a job. So I think, um, you know, having that happen obviously is not ideal, but I think that, um, like you said, everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, I'm still, I'm still making my way in this, in this food television world, um, every single day, but you know, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, and so I think, having that, um, you know, that happened to me. And then also hearing that piece of advice where like, you know, you have to go through that in Absolutely. order to really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I think it is great advice for everybody. Wow. God, that speaks to me so much. Wow. Okay. Last one. If you could spend an hour with anyone past or present, who would it be? Uh, I mean, Definitely my dad. I have to go back to that. I miss him so much every single day um, and would just love to to have more time with him. So uh, I would say that. Um, but if 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 that's not allowed, then I would also say um, Anthony Bourdain. I just, you know, like I he his career, especially in the in the television world, I think is something that all of us like in this food travel um, realm of TV aspire to be. So I think um, you know, sitting down with him and, and kind of picking his brain would also be very beneficial. Oh, no, but right. You're, you're, yeah, your father, Anthony Bourdain, absolutely. Both <laughs> both equal. Yeah, no, but thank you so much for sharing. And finally, Jamie, tell us where listeners can connect more with you. Obviously, subscribe to Food Network Obsessed, but where else can they find you? Yes, you. well, please. Please, please, please um, subscribe or follow, I guess is what we're, we're saying now, um, our podcast, Food Network Obsessed. You can get it on every single platform out there for podcasting. Um, so definitely look us up. We have new episodes dropping every Friday. Um, and then me personally, you can, you can find me on social media, um, 
Jamie Sire, uh, most of my platforms except for Twitter, which I have just Jamie. Um, so I had to keep that one because that's pretty, pretty awesome. But um, but yeah, Jamie Sire on Instagram. And I'm always uh, willing to chat and give cooking advice in my DMs. So um, definitely um, don't be afraid to hit me up there. Awesome. Well, this has been so, so much oh, fun. Yeah. One, uh-huh. one, one more place and esforeat.com for my blog. Of I course. Yes. My poor, my poor <laughs> blog, my poor blog gets, gets, uh, gets forgotten about these days. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, Jamie Sire, this, this has been so much fun, a wide ranging conversation. This has been great. Thank you so much for your time, your insights, your wisdom. I, we, I just can't thank you enough. It has been great. Thanks again. Well, yeah, of course. And thank you so much for, for having me on. It's fun to be uh, the, the interviewee every once in a while. And um, congrats on your podcast and, and best of luck in the future. Um, don't, uh, don't get too down on yourself for, for being laid off because it, it happens to the best of us and you'll bounce back. And it seems like you already are. Thank you so much for listening to Black and Gold Rush. Make sure to subscribe on the podcast app of your choice and leave a rating and review. Also, I'd love to connect more. Come say hey on Twitter or Instagram at RachelW504 and let me know what you thought of this episode. For show notes and more, head over to my website at rachelwjones.me. Until next time, ooh dat.